Will you turn with me, please, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Um, This is part two of Simon Says. And if you missed part one last week, this is completely different this week. And we will... I've enjoyed studying on these and refreshing myself in it. So um, this is part two of Simon Says. Matthew 16, verse 13, please. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son, Of man am. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. You know the Lord will bless the reading of his own word again this morning in public. Let's just buy in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the songs that we can sing from our hearts with conviction. Thank you for the table we have gathered around this morning and the word, Lord, around it, which focuses our hearts and our minds on Calvary and the full and complete eternal work of your Son on the cross, the blood that he shed, the giving of his life. Thank you, Lord, this morning that he is risen from the dead. And we know that he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Thank you, he's in the place of power and authority. We would say, Lord Jesus, this morning, even as Simon Peter has said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, we pray now that you would take your word and bless it to our hearts and speak to us in whatever way you deem it fit to do. Bless the children and the leaders and the teachers in the Sunday church for the kids meeting, Lord, this morning. We pray, Lord, that thy word would find a lodging place in every little heart. Glorify your son this morning. Glorify him in the word May the blessed Spirit of God, may he move among us and touch our minds and our hearts and our lives. 
And even if there's one has come this morning, Lord, who does not yet know him, the Lord Jesus as their own Lord and personal Savior, may even this morning they repent of their sins and cry for mercy. We love you because you first loved us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Simon says, Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you look with me, please, in John's Gospel, chapter 1, marking Matthew 16. John's Gospel, chapter 1. Verse 40, please. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Notice, we have found the Messiah, or the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus held him, beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, or Kephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Underline that, take note of that. Jesus says your name will be Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone, a stone. Uh, Cephas is Aramaic. So the Lord Jesus not only spoke Hebrew and Greek, but he spoke Aramaic. And here the Lord calls him Cephas, meaning a stone. And his name Simon, as in Simon Peter, is the anglicized form of Simeon, who would, which would be the Hebrew word for heard, to hear. And, of course, Simeon comes from the second son of Jacob with Leah, away there in Genesis chapter 29 and 33. So Simon, he's named Peter, and he's called Cephas or Cephas, which means a stone. Peter, or pardon me, Cephas is used for Simon Peter six times in the scriptures, if you want to take notes. Here in John 1 and 41, and then by the Apostle Paul the rest of the time, 1 Corinthians 1 and 12, 1 Corinthians 3 and 22, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 5, and 1 Corinthians 15 and 5. Also Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 9. This word is used, a stone. A stone. Simon Peter, his name then would mean hearing stone. A stone who hears. Simon meaning hearing. One can't help but wonder uh, when the Savior used his name in succession. Simon, Simon. He used it uh, a few times like this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have thee, they may sift thee as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Notice, 
Simon, Simon. He's speaking to the hearing, the calling of him twice, drawing off attention. One can't help but wonder when the Lord had mentioned his name twice like this, was he looking for his full and undistracted attention to what he was about to say? He says, you're going to go through something. Satan has desired to have you. Satan has desired that he may sift you as wheat. And really, when we think of it, that's an encouragement that Simon was wheat and not chaff. If you're saved this morning, if you're blood washed this morning, and if you're blood bought, you're trusting solely, only, uniquely, totally, completely, unreservedly on Christ and his finished work on the cross and on nothing else and on that alone, if you have repented of your sins and claimed that for your own, if you've been, as it were, by faith to Calvary, then you are wheat, not chaff. You are saved, not lost. And here we find the Lord says, Simon, Simon, he may as well say, be hearing me and hearing, keep hearing me. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Oh, the old devil wants to have you. The old devil wants to destroy you. The old devil wants to tear you away and stop you going on with God and trusting in Christ. The old devil wants to have his way in the lives of Christians. He already has his way in the life of the unsaved, of the unregenerate. Devil wants to have his way with you. But greater than the devil's will, greater than all the devil's power, are the prayers of Christ. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is ministering for us right this very moment in the heavenly tabernacle of God. Notice here, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, they may sift you as weak. But I have prayed for thee. I've prayed for you, Simon. I've prayed for you, Kyle. I've prayed for you, Billy. I've prayed for you, Jill. Oh, I'll pray for you, but his prayers, his ministry, that's what really counts. But I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Sure, Peter, did he not deny him thrice? And the cock would crow? Yep. The very same night? Yes. Within ours, yes. Well, then his faith failed. No, his courage failed. His courage failed. But he was Christ. Any time your courage fails and my courage may fail. But when he's praying for us, when we're trusting in his blood for Christ. We belong to Christ. Notice here, he's saying, listen to me. Listen to what is being said. Sometimes we can come to the meeting and we hear nothing. Generally, it's not because, of, well, if it's a scripturally based sermon, you should get something. You should hear the word, should hear God speaking. Sometimes we say we hear nothing and the man who says, ah, 
I heard nothing. Calls himself a believer. And there was a Bible-based sermon then that's his heart or her heart. Listen this morning to what God will teach us and say to us. It's easy to sleep in his presence. It's easy to nod off. Listen this morning. Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But Christ is praying for you. You have no reason or need, believer, to be afraid or worried or concerned, especially with all that's coming in to society today. I'm going to speak more on it tonight. Many Christians have been afraid. Many Christians have been terrified. Many Christians have backed off and slowed up. Many Christians have laid down and died. Brothers and sisters, when I have Christ praying for me, then I know I'm coming through. I know that we will be victorious and we are overcomers in Christ. Notice here, at other times he would say to Simon Peter, Behold, unto others. Uses the word behold. For example, uh, he would say, Behold the fig tree and all the trees of the field when he's speaking. Whenever he's teaching, and it means to look here, to pay attention. See, Jesus doesn't say a word and it's idle. He doesn't say a word and it drops to the ground. That which he speaks will not return unto him void because he is the almighty God in flesh. Because he is the son of God and he's God's only begotten son. His unique son. And notice here, He says sometimes, behold, to grab the attention, behold, Simon, Simon, listen, listen, behold. Now look. So he's appealing to the senses of the man and woman this morning. He appeals to the senses of the hearing that the Spirit of God may open the ear but open the heart. Open the ear but open the heart. He says in Matthew 16, if you'll turn with me, please. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not, or Hades, shall not prevail Against it. My brothers and sisters, we know that the papacy uses this to say that Peter was the first pope. That Peter was the first pope. To say that Peter had this revelation, and in verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom, hence the keys that are on the symbology and emblems of the papacy. But you know, these keys, charismatics say they have them, claiming and demanding having to be open and shut to them. Peter was not the first pope. 
In fact, in the writing of 1 Peter 5 and verse 13, Peter is writing and he says, the church which is at Babylon salutes you. He isn't in Rome. In fact, there's no record of him ever being in Rome. Yet the Apostle Paul was in Rome and he writes the epistle to the Romans and Peter isn't with him. Peter's not mentioned there. Peter isn't mentioned anywhere to do with Rome. You see, when the Lord Jesus says, Thou art Peter, he's saying, Thou art a stone. Peter and Cephas are very similar. Thou art a stone, a a rock. It gives the idea even of a large rock, but one that can be moved hither and thither, here and there. It can be lifted and moved. You see, Peter says, Simon says, Thou art the Christ. To the Lord Jesus, he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this, this one statement which Simon said changes so much of what we know of the early church. That the church is built upon Christ and Christ is the foundation of the church. And also Christ is the only head of the church. The Pope is not the head of the church. And listen, King Charles isn't the head of the church either. Praise God for that. As much as the other. Christ is the head of the church. And Christ alone. Jesus says unto him, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock. You see, Peter's name there is translated Petros, and it means a stone. Hither and thither you can move it and lift it. But when Jesus says, and upon this rock, it's not Petros, but Petra. And it means a solid mass of a movable rock. A solid mass. In other words, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Listen, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Jesus is saying the revelation of the Son of God, the revelation of who this man is before him, the revelation that he is the Messiah, the Christ. He is the one and only unique son who came from glory, veiled in flesh, clothed in humanity. And Peter, with revelation from the Father through the Spirit, says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou. You know, from the day and hour that the Holy Ghost quickened us, from the Holy Spirit came and moved in our hearts, from the day and hour that the Holy Spirit came regenerated us, 
and showed us our sin and our need of a saviour and pointed us to Jesus. You know, when we repented and were born again, see that moment that the Holy Spirit with irresistible grace drew us? See that very moment? We have become blessed. doesn't matter how we feel, whether we're ill or healthy or whether we're feeling up to things or not. It's not on our feelings, but it's on our faith. And, and from that time, we are blessed. For flesh and blood is not revealed it unto us, but our Father which was in heaven. I think of a rotten, guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner like me. On the broad road to destruction, lost and undone in my sin. I think of someone like me and at the hearing of the preaching of the word of God, the Lord opened my ears. Hear. Open my eyes. Behold. That I was able to see the Lamb of God who bore away my sin and his own body on the tree. Paid the fullness of the debt, the penalty that I owed. Paid it all that I might be saved and cleansed and forgiven. You're blessed this morning if you're saved. You're a blessed person. You're a blessed man, a blessed woman. You're in a blessed position. So can I ask you this morning, if you're hearing this, are you saved? Are you saved? Doesn't say you're churchy. You go to church. Be now you're saved. Are you Christ? Do you know him as your own Lord and personal Savior? Are you saved? S-A-V-E-D. Saved. For by grace you are saved. Saved. Bible word. It's a biblical word. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no boasting. No boasting. He said, upon this rock, the Lord Jesus said to Simon, upon this rock, Simon says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church. Notice Jesus says, I will build my church. Not I will build a denomination. I will build uh, a Catholic church or I will build uh, a, a plethora of what's called a Protestant church. He's saying, upon this rock I will build my church. My church. You can come here and go out lost, you know. Say you've been to church as such. The church is his body. The true church. You can go to any church. Go to the Presbyterian or the Baptist or the Free Presbyterian or 
the Methodists or whatever else, the Nazarenes, or you can go to the Pentecostal churches, whatever you want, but if you're not saved, you're lost. doesn't matter where you go. You're lost. You know, in Matthew 16 and 16, Simon says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Mark's account, chapter 8 and verse 29, Mark just has him saying, Thou art the Christ. Luke, in Luke 9 and 20, he says, Thou art the Christ of God. Brothers and sisters, even in John 6, verses 68 and 69, the Lord Jesus is telling people to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people, all those disciples all start to leave him and and the thing about it is, is he's speaking of this not in the literal sense because it was against the law of God to drink or eat blood. Or else Christ is, uh, he's breaking God's law, but he's not. He's speaking in a, in, in a metaphorical or a, a spiritual sense. And hence when we come around the table and we partake of the, the bread and we drink from the cup, we are reminded of Christ's body that was broken and his blood that was shed. And hence, we eat, as it were, in that spiritual sense of remembrance and drink from the cup in remembrance. And you know, when we are around this table, we are reminded that at Calvary, our debt was paid in its fullness. And hence Jesus is saying to eat his flesh, and it's for time's sake, we haven't time to read it all, drink my blood, and they all start to leave him. And you see again, this is where uh, the, the Catholic Church takes the transubstantiation from mainly, where they will say, see, when we are to take the mass, we are to eat the, of the wafer, which is turned literally, literally they believe. Literally now, they believe that the wafer, the host wafer, is, is the, the body, the blood, the sinews, the divinity. Literally, Christ, that turns into Christ. In the mass. So it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Some years ago, and I think I've said this here before, but I'll say it again. Some years ago, I mean 15 more years ago, Alice and I were in London. I would have been invited to go and preach in a church once a year over there. And I went and preached and on the Sunday. And on the Saturday, we went over and used to do a wee tour. And I, I used to love to visit the British Museum. Alison hated it, but, but I loved it. Uh, I'd have spent all day on it, and she was just bored stiff. So we got a, a bus tour around London, and we're on the bus, and the the, the tour guide says through the through the the, the tannoy, uh, speaker says, "We're now approaching St Paul's Cathedral, and their words were, this today is still a Protestant working church.' I thought, well, let's go and see this. So we went in. Paid a tenner each for the pleasure of looking at it. And I'm, I'm maybe more than 15 years ago. It's maybe even near, nearer to 20. And when we went in, there was a big open square. 
black and white tiles on the floor, probably Masonic. I'm serious, it probably is Masonic. Black and white, and there's a big white expanse. And as we're looking around, and there's, uh, you know, there's a big plaque to John Wycliffe, Morning Star of the Reformation, and different sort of sculptures about. And so this man comes away, there's like a step up. He just comes in, there's nothing, it's just a big plain floor, and he stands, there's a little mic. He says, excuse me, everyone, can we take our seats a moment? We just want to say a little word of prayer. And people sat in nice as well. And there's a few seats out and we sat down and said a simple prayer and there was nothing wrong with it. And, but at the end of it, he says, after this, we're going to, at 12 o'clock, we're going to have the mass. I looked at Alice and I said, did they say it was a, Protestant, a working Protestant church? She says they did. If anyone has any queries would like to ask me about about this, please come to see me. Alison says you turned away and turned back and I was already up. <laughs> this man's just, he's dressed like a priest, just completely black robes, right down to his ankles. I said, excuse me. And some people were starting to gather around. I said, did you say the mass? He says, I did. I says, you mean, when you mean the mass, you mean what the, you would call the real presence? We do. He says, the tour guide said this was a working Protestant church. It is. So I was getting more confused by the minute. He says, you know, are you really honestly telling me that when you hold up a wafer and you pray over this wafer, that's the body, the blood, the sinews, the divinity, everything to do with Christ is in that wafer? And he says, we do indeed. We do. I says, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. I says, if you take that wafer and you're giving mass to someone and it drops on the ground or a crumb is there and the church mouse comes out when everybody's away home and it eats it, are they eating Christ? Are they eating Christ? And this is what he said. Yes, they are. The mouse is eating Christ. But he's not in the body. The mouse isn't in the body. That's the, that's the height of this so-called Protestant church. That's the depths of it. And I said, so do you want to get your Bible? Because I was a tourist and everything was in the hotel. Do you want to get your Bible? And we'll turn to John chapter 6 and we'll go through this. Oh, uh, he, says, I don't think, uh, he says, I don't think that's in my Bible. I says, John chapter 6 isn't in your Bible. Oh, yes, he says, but Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I says, aye. I says, but when you read on down, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spirit, not literal. But this time there was a crowd around us. I think they thought they were going to see a boxing match. And he started backing away from me. And I says, don't go away yet. We're not finished. And there's a wee door. See him heading over toward the door. And I walk beside him. And the, I, if I remember, it's like a light blue with silvery white writing. Uh, John Wycliffe, morning star of the Reformation. I says, hold on, see him. He would turn on his grave at you. 
He'll turn on his grave at you. And he just took off away and slammed the door behind him. And that's the last I've seen of him. Waited for a while, but he didn't come out. And I said, right, Alison, I don't want to look around any more of this. I'm going. See, brothers and sisters, in John 6, it says, Then Simon Peter answered him. Listen to what Peter says when Jesus says, Will you go away also? You see, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, it's all right. And look, and I use illustrations, and I'm only after giving you a story of what happened. And it's okay to use them here and there. But whenever we get down to the nitty-gritty of the Word of God, some people can't handle it because it might just upset what they thought in the first place. It might challenge them. And they, he says to them, would you also go away? We go away also. And they, in other words, they're all leaving me. What about you guys? What about you, brothers and sisters? Some Christians can't get out of bed now. They come to 11 o'clock service on a Sunday morning. It's near lunchtime when you think about it. Listen, some Christians say, oh, I was out on Saturday night and I wasn't home to near after 10 o'clock and I was tired. You were tired? Christ rose from the dead. You're tired? Brothers and sisters, it's when it comes and it's coming. I've been saying this out for a long time now. And he eased off for a wee bit there because I didn't want us to be thinking he, he, he's, he's playing with one string in his bow. But in the days in which we live in, in the days, and it's fast coming in, in the days in which we live in, you need to be grounded. Grounded in the faith. Grounded in Christ. And you need to be planted in a Bible-believing assembly. Now you need your roots down. You need to have that written in your heart. You need to have that written on your heart. Because it's coming. And it's coming in fast. And when the hard sayings are challenged by the outside world and by all of those people who are out there who hate Christ and are anti-Christ, you're going to be challenged somewhat. Will you go away also? Will you go away also? It's easy to say, you know what, it's a wee bit, uh, it's getting a wee bit heated here because of the way the church is being uh, looked at by the government or the way the, the church is being looked at by society. And you know the way everybody sort of nearly hates Christ by the sins of it? It'd be easier for me to stay home. It'd be easier for me just to, to go with the flow. It'd be easier for me to do nothing and say nothing. Don't rock the boat. It'd be easier for me. Listen, it'd be easier for me. It'd be easier for me. I get hammered all the time. I get hammered that much. Actually, my pastor... The other, a few times he said on I, but he said, he, he contacted me, he says, I'm sick of people the way they're getting on with you. It's about time you said something. I says, leave it to him. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. We need to be grounded. We need to know Christ. 
Boy, imagine getting out of bed on a Sunday morning to listen to that. Hey? You see, he says, will you go away too? Will you, brother and sister? Well, here's what Simon says. In John 6, and verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Listen. Listen, Christian, weakened by the word. I'm not picking someone or anybody out here on purpose or because I feel I want to get at them. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about all of us can be weakened at times. But listen, Christian, who's been weakened by the word. Listen. To go back to the word. To live in the word. To tamper with the word. To take from the word. In the, in the words of one of the old Puritans, he says, to go to the world is to leave, and, and leave Christ is to leave a treasure for a trifle. And whenever the old devil wants to sift you, I trust you're grounded in your wheat. Our words should be as Simon says. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And our words should be to the world. And whenever we turn to Christ and we are distracted, discouraged, disillusioned, even to say, Lord, to whom else will we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Listen, honestly. Where will you go? Where do you go to? Think about this. Where where will we go? Like the dog returning to his own vomit? Like the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire? Where would we go? Especially when we take our stand, there's, there's no room left to move. But you know what it does? It hems us in. But it fastens us to Christ. It fastens me, fastens my soul and knits us closer together. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Listen to, listen to what it says. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. What Christ? The only Christ. The only Messiah. The only Lord. The only Savior. The only Redeemer. He says, we believe it. Do you believe it, brother? Brother, do you believe it? Sister, do you believe it? 
that Jesus is that Christ, the one prophesied from the prophets, the one whom the apostles have pointed us to. To him give all the prophets witness, says the apostle. Do you believe it? Would you say amen? amen? Christ is that Christ. In Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of there will be many other Christs coming. Other Christs, but there's only one Lord Jesus Christ. I better wrap this up this morning. I've, I've written so many pages and I've only touched a half of one. So forgive me. Listen to this. And we believe and are sure. Are you sure this morning? Are you sure this morning? I'm sure that Jesus is Lord. I'm sure that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm sure that Jesus is the head, the only head of the church. I'm sure that Jesus is the King of Israel. I am sure that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am sure of it this morning that Jesus is my Savior. That he's the one who paid my debt. I'm sure of it this morning. He's my great high priest who's ministering in a heavenly tabernacle. I am sure of it this morning that he's coming again. And I believe it with all of my heart. I believe it and I'm sure of it. Jesus said it, so I believe it. Hear that rain? Sure, if I finished now, you'd get soaked going to the car, wouldn't you? You get soaked. I think calling off the barbecue was a good one, Andrew. What? Both. You know, we could advertise sometimes possible soggy burgers for sale. Not that we were selling them on a Sunday, Annie. We weren't going to, you were getting them for nothing. Simon says in Matthew 16, on verse. 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then in John 6, he says, Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, when Jesus said unto him, Thou art Peter, Petros, you're a stone. My word, hear that? I'll try and talk up as loud as I can. At least we're dry. At least we're dry. We'll get a building and not hear the rain. Did you turn me away up there? Can everybody hear me all right now? Okay. When Jesus said, Thou art Peter, what he's saying is, Thou art Petros, Thou art a stone. One that may be even large, but can be moved hither and thither. One that can be moved here and moved there. That's what Christ is saying. But take note of what he says in Matthew 16. And verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this rock, 
The word rock is not Petros, where Peter means rock. It's Petra. And it means a vast, immovable rock. Let me give you some examples here. For example, in Matthew 7 and in verse 24, the Lord Jesus is speaking about two men, one who builds his house on sand and the other on a rock. And he says in verse 24, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, upon a petra, an immovable rock. Hence we build our house on Christ, the rock, the immovable rock. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Listen to Matthew 27 and verse 51. The Lord Jesus in Calvary, bleeding and dying for us. I feel like turning to Genesis 6 and reading about the ark. <laughs> Matthew 27 and verse 51. Christ is up Calvary's hill. It says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent from twain, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks, the petra, the rocks did rent. They, in other words, the ground itself, the mass of rock on which they were on, it rent in two. The petra, upon this rock I will build my church. The petra in When our Lord was being, I have Matthew 15, I must have meant something else there. But I, when, when our Lord was being placed into a sepulchre, it says, And they laid him in the sepulchre which was hewn out of a rock. In other words, you see those, uh, in Jerusalem, those graves, and they're dug out of the rock. Right inside, that's the patra. The Petra. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, Paul says, And they all did drink of the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. The word rock is the spiritual Petros. This is a spiritual rock which can never be moved. Not a Peter, a Petros, but a Petros, a spiritual rock. And they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that Petros was Christ. Was Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, And upon this rock I will build my church on the gates of hell, or here they shall not prevail against it. Upon this Petros. Now it's believed because he was in Caesarea Philippi. He was sitting on the hillside of it. Or the, the rocky area. He's not meaning those rocks. Because there was. Uh, the place we're told was littered. With little idols and small temples. And places of worship. Eventually one being made to Nero. The Roman, uh, the Roman Caesar was made there as well. There was all, so many of them. And where he was, there were so-called gods of the heathen were there and Greek gods and so on. Baal or Baal was worshipped there. 
and the God Pan, the so-called God Pan. Pan is the one you'd see with the goat-like legs and the torso of a human and the ears of a goat. And guess what he's playing with the wee pipes? They're called, that's why you call them Pan Pipes. Plays the wee pipes, you blow over and the pipes go down like this. And you make the tune with them, they're pan pipe. And pan means all. For pantheistic, all gods, so-called. But there's one God. And there's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. And pan was said to be worshipped there. Listen, and pan was said to be the gods, the Greek god of the shepherds or the herders. Hence his goat-like legs, mainly of goats. Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats. And what he's saying here is, right where these other so-called deities are worshipped, he's saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Then he says, Upon this Patras. What Patras? The revelation of God of whom Christ is. The person of the Son of God. That Christ is the Lamb. That Christ is the Redeemer. That Christ and Christ alone is the Savior. And he says, Peter, upon this rock, me, he says, not Peter. The revelation of the Spirit. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, the gates of death. Think of the apostles all who died by John, Peter included. And the church went on. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost fell. And the church went on. We think of the early church. We think of how they were murdered and slain and killed because the early church were in love with Christ. We think of the Reformation. We think of the fires of Smithfield. We think of those who were tied to a stake and burned to death. We, we think of those who were hung, drawn, and quartered because they say the just shall live by faith because they wouldn't, as it were, bow to a papal mass because they wouldn't take of the wafer that they say is Christ in their blasphemous mass. But rather, it's a remembrance of Christ when we break bread. And they were slain for it and slaughtered for it. They were murdered for it. They were killed for it. And the words of Christ rings true. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's what it means when you read that. And when you're praying, Lord, you'll build your church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what you're saying, Lord? Even if we're all put to death. Look, especially Pentecostals, and I'm a Pentecostal, but especially Pentecostals, charismatics more than anything. What do they say? 
Well, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's all, and there is a spiritual warfare. Don't get me wrong. We, but we know that. We know all of those things that go on. But it's as if, it's as if because we're praying this, that we're pulling down this and that and the other and all things are being destroyed and the devil is fighting and the, the devil isn't winning. Friends, the devil was defeated at Calvary. He's defeated foe. So when we're praying it, what we're saying is, Lord, and this is what it means. See, in this day and the age in which we live, even if they put you and I to death, if they put me to death, Lord, if they put this church to death, still your church will go on. Different meaning now, hasn't it? You know why? Because see if you're saved. I mean if you're saved. I mean if you've been regenerated by the Spirit and you're washed in the blood of Christ and you're following on with Him. See if you're saved by the grace of God if you've been drawn by irresistible grace. If you're saved. If you are His. And no matter what happens. You'll go on with Christ. You'll even go into death. Oh boy. Maybe I should keep my head down from here on in. Keep your head down from here on in. What? Rather than be on that day walking triumphant into his presence. Triumphantly as a glorious church into his glory. Seriously? That's why we need to get the reality the reality of Christ in our life, especially in the day and hour in which we live. See how I get on next week and do a different one. Simon says, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Simon says, Lord, to whom would we go? Whom would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. else brothers and sisters there is nobody else but Christ listen I believe his triumphant return won't be long and if the Lord spares me and I'm still alive and to see it well good but even if I was put to the stake as it were Well then, I'll be ushered into his presence. Don't you leave Christ a treasure for a trifle. Press on in it. Listen, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. God bless us this morning. See the mean? The rain stopped. Hey. The rain has stopped. Team, come on up, please.